All right, and good morning to you. I love that song. That's a Chris Tomlin song, one of the great worship leaders of, of our time. And I love the opening line, this world is not what it was meant to be. And then he talked about the fact later on in the song and says, in heaven, thank God in heaven, I'll be free at last. And that's what we want to talk about today. And our last message in these four big truths and simply complex, we got a little play on words going on in the title Home is coming. First off, we talk about homecoming, but then I, the big thrust of the message today is to help us focus on this great truth that heaven is not a hope so maybe place. It's contrary to what um, the culture may say. Oh, you Christians came up with heaven, so you would have something to dream about. All of that heaven is a reality. Oh, and by the way, just in case you're wondering, so is hell. So is hell. But we're talking about today about the reality of going home. And the play on words is, one, this idea of homecoming, but also home is coming. Hey, how many of you guys have ever lived for an extended period outside the country? Anybody here? Yeah, Miss Judy. There's a hand back there. Yeah, anybody else? Yeah, use this the military. Use this the military. Um, and for us, it went something like this. I was doing the math while we were singing. I'm saying, okay, I was 23 years old. That's a long time ago. And Judy was a bustling 19. And we'd been married a year. And we got orders for the Air Force. And so this Florida cracker and that Georgia peach got on an airplane and went all the way to Germany. And like, hello. And it's just a crazy thing. And we had three of the most wonderful years of our marriage. We've been married 47 years now. And it was just three wonderful years. It was almost like being on vacation every um, single day. It was just a wonderful time. Uh, but you know what? It wasn't home. It wasn't home. And time after time after time after time, you know, people, the tours were three years or, or, or two if you were single. And boy, you, people counted the time. I remember when we went to church there, every time somebody rotated back to the States, we would sing the song, Goodbye World, Goodbye. Uh, so excited about going back home. And yet the place we were at was so good, it just wasn't home. And the truth is, this world sometimes can seem really good. But guess what? It is not home. And I remember when we landed, uh, we, we shipped a little Volkswagen van back, and we got in our little Volkswagen van and tootled down the highway, and, and we stopped at a McDonald's. Now, I know that doesn't sound very exciting to you, um, but in Germany, of course, they, they speak some English, and I certainly didn't speak much German, uh, but we would save our money up. It cost about Oh, this is back in 1977. It cost us about $18, $20 to go to McDonald's. And, uh, you know, I would walk up and say, um, um, Ein, Ein Hamburger, one hamburger. Um, Ein Pomfritz, one Pomfritz. Well, actually, it was two, I guess. I did let her eat. Okay. And Ein uh, Cola, Cola. You know, and they would get the order. But it was so difficult. It was so difficult. And when we landed and we stopped at first McDonald's, and we were home, and we were home. And, and I walked up to the counter, and I said, hi. And she said, hi. And, and she goes, how can I help you, sir? And I was like washed over with emotion because I could understand. And I knew I was home. I knew I was home. Well, this world that we live in, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, is not your home. It's a place... Yeah, we've got for a while. It's our travel trailer. It's our RV. It's our campground. Um, it's our temporary abode, but it's not 
home. And one day, we are going home, and that's what we want to spend the majority of our time talking about. But how's it all, how does all that start? How does it always start? Well, it, it happens like this. One day, if you're a, you're a Jesus person, if you're a Jesus follower, okay, then it happened for you, it may have been at church, it may have the preacher preached a message, and at the end time you came down, maybe it was a revival meeting, maybe you were at work and a guy was sharing with you, um, uh, maybe you were just reading the Bible and all of a sudden, you know, through the Holy Spirit, this great truth um, became known to you um, that you, one, were a sinner, that you had sinned against a holy God. And this is so important on the journey to making heaven your home and to being a Jesus follower. You've got to come to the conclusion that the Bible's right and true, and it says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us have offended God, and therefore we cannot meet God's standard. Okay, so we got to come to that conclusion, and then, and then a little bit journey, further journey in the journey, you you realize that you know, wait a minute, wait a minute, all this stuff that Jesus said was true that he was the son of God in flesh, that he did did live a perfect life, that he did die on a Roman cross for us, that they did put him in a grave. And guess what? On the third day, he did what no one else has ever done before. He came back to life, never to die again. Some people have been raised from the dead, but never to die again. And all of a sudden, man, all of a sudden it made sense. All of a sudden you believe this. You said, oh, yeah. And, and then, and then you, you did what the Bible says. You turned from that sin that you've been living and chose to follow him. Okay? And, and that's, that was the beginning. That was the beginning of the journey of this place called heaven. And, and you did it. And it was amazing. And you look back now and go, wow, I remember that. It was really amazing, you know. But here's the deal. Um, if you're like me with, with, you know, a huge guilt complex, you know, I kind of expected that when I did that, like I'd be not perfect. I mean, I knew I wasn't perfect, but I also was surprised how quickly I was not perfect. I, realized, I was amazed at how fast I sinned. You know, the next day I woke up after going, yay, Jesus, yay, Jesus. And before long, I was mad at somebody. I lied about something. I did something, you know. And I was amazed at how fast I sinned. I remember being so disappointed in myself. I mean, here I made this huge commitment to Jesus. The next thing I know, I'm acting just like I did before. And that was very, very difficult to me. See, see, someone hadn't explained to me a great, important truth. I'm going to explain to you, and just in case you're still wrestling with it, um, is the fact that Christians aren't perfect. God never asked you to be perfect. Christians are not perfect. We're forgiven. And, and tell your friends out there in culture land, tell them out there when they say, yeah, you Christians think you're perfect. You're better than everybody. Say, oh, no, no, no. We know we're not perfect. The only difference between me and you is, is that I'm forgiven. I've experienced God's grace. And that is the truth. So anyway, for me, I started the journey to heaven, you know, and by trusting Jesus as my Savior, it didn't take me long to discover, oh no, you know, I'm going down the wrong path. And, and then, and then for some of us, um, we, we were just like saved like five months, and we kind of thought that when we got Jesus, we got the perfect life. Yeah, that didn't work either. <laughs> I don't, you know, there's this, there's this thing out there preachers do about just trust Jesus and everything will be fine. Just trust Jesus. You never get sick. Just trust Jesus. Your life will be perfect. Just trust Jesus. You'll get the pay raise you want. Just trust Jesus. Well, that's not in the Bible. But so many of us believe that. And certainly I was probably one of those too. And I was disappointed when I prayed and God didn't answer my prayer like I wanted him to. 
And, 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 you know, I trusted Jesus, and I didn't get the promotion in the Air Force that I wanted to do. And again, no one took the time to explain me, and I want to explain to you now, that that's just not biblical. I don't care who the personality is on radio that you listen to. I don't care what other preacher you listen to. If he's preaching that to you, he's not preaching the truth. In fact, let me tell you what Jesus said. Jesus said in John 16, 33. Now, it's just hours before the cross. Okay, the, the, the 11, 12, the 11, let's go with 11. The 11 guys, we're going to throw Judas under the bus. Okay, well, that's where he belongs. Okay, so yeah, so the 11 guys, you know, they're, they're sitting there and going, oh man, this is the Messiah. He's going to be the rock star. He's going to overthrow the Roman government. He's going to be the king of Israel. We're all going to be princes. What a great life. And then Jesus tells him he's going to die. And they were just like, you know, they were just devastated with this news. So here's what he says. He says, you know, you need to know something. He said, I know you follow me. He says, but here on earth, here on earth, you will have, write this down if you're taking notes, you will have many trials. You know, I just don't, I, I know the scriptures teach I'll have peace. I just can't name one scripture that promised me no trials on this earth. Anybody? No, but it's something we sell in Western culture. It's something we sell, and we're selling a product that doesn't exist. That's what Jesus said. You're going to have many trials, and you're going to have many sorrows. But take heart, he said. Take heart. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. Because I have overcome the world. Now, one thing that's great about John 16, where he says, you know, on this earth you'll have many trials, it keeps us from being too comfortable with earth. You know, one thing great about that is it keeps us from being too comfortable. We, you know, if we're not careful. See, the, the, the Bible actually told the nation of Israel to settle in at Babylon, but don't get too comfortable, okay? Well, when, we, when things go so well here, we kind of settle in and we forget this is our RV, this is our campground, this is temporary, it's not what God planned for us. We settle in like this is home. And, of course, it, it, it's, it's not. It's not. And so, so we need to understand that God's got something far, far um, better for us. This world is not my home. I'm passing through. I'm traveling through. That, that God's got a better home for me than this RV that we call Earth, this recreational vehicle that we call Earth. So here's what you need to know. Here's what you need to know. And, and again, don't get frustrated... Don't, I'm not asking you to excuse your sin, okay? I'm not saying, oh, don't worry about sin, you know, after you become a Christian. I'm not saying that, okay? But, man, we really allow guilt and stuff to own us. And it robs us of our joy, and it robs us of our effectiveness as a witness to Jesus Christ, for Jesus Christ. So, with that thought in mind, okay, here's what you need to know. Number one, you are under construction. You are not a finished product yet. Now, your salvation's finished. That was done the day you asked Jesus to come into your heart. When you admitted you're a sinner, when you knew that God did what Jesus did what he said he would do, when you turned from your sin to follow him, that part was a done deal. But the other, and we're going to talk about it in just a moment. But the rest of that part, you're under construction. You're a construction zone. So, so we're going to read it real clearly in a moment. God's just not done with you yet, okay? So you, you are in a construction zone. And now watch, and you won't be done. You say, well, Dwayne, when, when's the construction over? 
Well, you won't get done till he's done. You won't get done, and y'all be writing this down. You won't get done until he gets done. And when he gets done, we're going home. When he gets done, we're going home. We're going to real home. We're going to leave the RV behind. We're going to leave the campground behind. We're going to leave whatever we got here behind, and we're going home. We're going home. And, and, I, and Philippians 1.6 tells that whole process so very clearly. Here's what it says. And I am, this is Paul talking. And by the way, how interesting. Paul's writing from a Roman prison. He's not in the Holiday Inn. He doesn't have a nice Airbnb. He's in prison, okay? And he says, listen, there's one thing. I, you know, I'm certain that God, who began the good work in you, uh, within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. And this is the getting ready for home process. This is in like what, about 50 words, 40 words? This is the going home process. Now, one, look what he says again. I'm certain. There's, he goes, there is not a doubt in my mind. And he wants, listen, look at me. He wants you to know beyond a shadow of a doubt. Once you've truly put your faith and trust in Jesus, he wants the doubt to go away. So, so he tells us, the guys in the Philippian church, I want you to know something. I am certain, and they respected him. I am certain that God, who began the good work in you, that's number one. That's salvation. That's when you, that's when you understand you're a sinner, who Jesus is and what he did, and you turn away from your sin, and you choose to follow him. All right, That's salvation. That God who began the good work in you. That's salvation. But then it continues. Will continue his work. What? What is that? What is that? I'm going to preach you a good gospel word today, and you've heard it before. It's the word sanctification. The word sanctification. And that simply means it's the process of God making us more like Jesus. See, the earth is a preparation time for home. Our life here following Jesus is a preparation time, getting us ready for eternity at home with Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit. Okay? So it's a process, a sanctification. Um, we watched a video, and, and I've used the illustration before. You know, I have a friend uh, named Bob Niebuhr who carved stuff in, in Cobden, and one day he gave me a duck. I said, do you remember the story? It's true. It's true. So I looked at Bob. I said, Bob, how do you do this? How do you, how do you take a block of wood and make a duck? And you know what he told me? Simple. You cut off everything that doesn't look like a duck. You cut off everything that doesn't look like a duck. And guess what God is doing while you're here on this earth, while, you know, while, while you're still here in your RV and your campground and your temporary thing? You know, what is your, have you ever wondered this? Hey, God. Hey, God. What are you doing? You know, you know, sorrow comes. Pain comes. A prayer doesn't get answered like you wanted. You, there's, there's loss and there's sorrow. God, what are you doing? If you listen real carefully, you just might hear the Holy Spirit whisper, I'm making you like Jesus. I'm making you like Jesus. I'm chipping off all the things that doesn't look like Jesus, so you look more like him, and I'm preparing you for home. Yes, the body doesn't go, but the soul and spirit does. He's preparing us to spend eternity in a place called heaven, and what's it called? Sanctification. Say it with me. 
Sanctification. So we got salvation. That's the point in time when we trust Jesus. And then we got from that moment until, until, until he returns or calls us home, the song says. For that period, each day, each day, each day is a point of, of, of sanctification. Learning and making us more like Jesus. But then Paul says he will continue his work until, until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Okay, and that is called glorification. That's when it's all over. And it happens either one day unexpectedly when death comes knocking and you're taken home. And we know for a fact, and you're going to hear 70 years, but we're obviously not promised 70 years. Sometimes you're, you're like my nephew was just shy of 43 years old. And when Jesus took him home, you know, we all know situations. We know people who lived a very long time and we know people live a very short time, okay? But whatever that is, okay, it is glorification. It's when God is done with us here. This is so, what I'm fixing to say, someone needs to hear this. It's when God is done with us here, so he takes us there. He's done with us here, so he takes us there. You know, to life's last breath. Or... Till he returns. We're living a time period when Jesus, and we'll talk about this someday, when Jesus Christ, actually we're going to tag it on the end if we have time. Um, you know, we live in a time period now where, where Jesus could come back. And so whether it's by death or by coming back, he comes and he's going to take us home. And that's why that verse says, we're saved, we're being sanctified, and one day we shall be glorified. It's just, it's just a huge, huge verse. Now, here's our teaching point. And we need this because we're not perfect, okay? We need this because we're not perfect. Just because you failed. I mean, if you're like me, I mean, failure can be an epic thing for me, depending on what the, what the failure is, but it can be an epic thing for me. And, I, and that's why I love uh, Psalm 37, 24. Can I just give you the 23 and 24? The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his path. And even if he falls, hello, can I have an amen? Even if he falls, he will not be utterly cast down because God picks him up with his strong arm. So if you fail, you won't be utterly cast away. God will pick you up. Just because people have given up on you. Hey, newsflash, people will give up on you. Newsflash, God never will. Newsflash, your wife will give up. Your husband will give up. Your parents will give up. The teachers will give up. The people you know in life will give up. But God will never give up on you. That's huge. Just because people have given up on you. Remember this, no matter how dark it looks, no matter how long it has been, God will always finish what he started. So when you started the journey home, go back to wherever you think it might be, Okay, you know, when that point when you trusted Jesus, when you started the journey, just know this, God always finishes what he starts. Now, we're going to do something a little bit different. Um, we're going to go to Jeremiah 29, 10, and really just touch 11 at the end of the message. One verse, but we're going to look at Jeremiah 29. Now, the reason I say that's unusual because it's really written, okay, to the Israelite people. Um, they are, they are, their RV, <laughs> their RV is parked in Babylon. Their campground is in Babylon, 
Okay, that's where they that's that's where they find themselves. Okay, so it's a very difficult um, place to be. So so anyway, so they're there, and then God makes this promise to take them home. And I, I, and I want to make that very clear. I don't want to be disloyal to the Scripture. I want you to understand the context, okay? But here's also this. I know, I know in my heart that we can borrow, no, no, no. We can take the principle of what Jeremiah 29, 10, 11 says and apply it to our lives. Oh, my goodness. All of us love the Scripture, you know. I know the plans I have for you. You know, I know the plans I have for you, not for hurt. Not for disaster, but plans for a hope in the future. We love that verse, and we can claim that verse as a principle, and we're not out of line at all. So we're going to look at, at Jeremiah 29, 10 particularly, and see what God says about home and how it applies, okay? So let's look at 29, 10. We're going to look at the first part there. It says this, this is what the Lord says. Now, again, keep in mind, he's speaking to Israel, but he, he is speaking to us in, in 2023 as a principle. This is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years. Now, what this is, for them, it was a state of punishment, okay? And there was no negotiation. I'm sure after about 10 years, somebody went to God and said, Hey, God, can we get this thing shortened down a little bit, maybe to like 35 years? And God said, No, no, I really meant what I said. It's going to be 70 years. It's a time of grooming and time of of growing for you in this time of Babylon, okay? Now, Babylon always represents the world in Scripture, So what I want to do today is help you understand is, you know, we are going to be in Babylon for a set period of time. For them, it was 70 years. You know, it's really interesting how that in Psalm 90, verse 10, Moses wrote this and said, our lives last 70 years. Well, we know that's not always true. We already talked about that. Um, But our lives last 70 years or for strong, maybe 80 years, okay? Um, But they pass quickly and then we fly away. So the teaching I want you to grab here is, I want you to understand we are in Babylon. We're not in heaven. Earth will never be heaven. Earth will never be heaven. There's no such thing as heaven on earth. I don't care how sweet she is, how good life is for you. There's no such thing as heaven on earth, at least not until the end when he remakes the earth. Okay. So this is our Babylon, and we're here for a set period of time. We don't know how long. We don't know how long. We could, I could be gone tomorrow. You could be gone tomorrow. We simply don't know how long that period, time period is. But we do know this Babylon is just our RV, our temporary place. We are here for just a while. So what's our teaching point? Just like the children of Israel, just like the children of Israel, we are a displaced people. The people we're going to go visit this week over in England, they live in a community, and, and they are, they are ref, many of them are refugees. And a lot of them are from Somalia. And they were moved from their homeland and displaced into England in a certain community. All right? So, so we are a, just like them, we are a displaced people. And we're waiting and looking for a place that we can finally call home. And you know what? Life for them is much better. It's just interesting. Life is so much better for them in England than it was in Somalia. They'll tell, they told us that. You know, life, but you know what so many of them want to do? Take a guess. They want to go home. Because England's great and good and got more food and all that, maybe more financial security, but it's not home. It's not home. So we are waiting and looking for a place that we can finally call home. And what do we do while we wait? We worship. What do we do while we wait? We serve. 
And what do we do while we wait? We are being made like Jesus, or we're being sanctified. We're being sanctified. So that's what we do um, in this process. Um, C.S. Lewis was a great guy. Now keep in mind, C.S. Lewis was a really intelligent, smart guy, but he was an atheist for a whole chunk of his life. He was probably like 40 uh, when he finally trusted Jesus Christ and started believing in God, actually. Um, But he's just a great, uh, was a great theologian and had a way with words. He says this, if I find in myself, if I find in myself, you find in yourself, Desires, oh, this is really good. I like the way I just said that. If you find in yourself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy. You've been to Walmart. You've been to the new car dealership. Um, you've, you've eaten all the food. You've done all the things. You've done all the traveling. All the things that would maybe give you happiness. If you find yourself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. And maybe, just maybe, the reason you can't... I said, Dwayne, I just... I feel like something's missing in my life. And you know what that something is? Well, assuming you have Jesus, it's heaven. You're not home yet. And when you get home, you'll be satisfied. But you're not home yet. Then he says in verse 10, the uh, second part, after, you know, you'll be in Babylon for 70 years. We're going to be here for an indiscriminate amount of time, okay, but here's the promise, the principle we can take, but then, and that's where we are right now, we're in the but then stage, say, where are we at, we're in the but then, okay, but then I will come, Jesus is coming back, Jesus is coming back, we're going to talk about, well, Dwayne, it's sure been a long time, hang on, if we get there, we'll talk about today, then I will come, and here's what I'm going to do, I'm going to do for you all the good things I have promised. See, the thing that you may have misunderstood, trust Jesus and everything's great, that is true. It's just not here, it's there. It's in eternity. It's in eternity. Man, heaven's going to be so great. And no, you're not going to play golf. And no, you're not going to go fishing all day. And you're not going to sit around and play a harp and sing Kumbaya. We are going to reign and serve the Lord Jesus Christ in incredible worship, singing holy, holy, holy to this magnificent God, His Son, and the Holy Spirit for all eternity. Yes, we'll know one another. Yes, heavens will be made complete. Excuse me, families will be made complete, those who know Jesus Christ. It's going to be a wonderful, wonderful place. He's going to do all the good things that I have promised you. And that's what we're longing for. That's the home uh, that we are longing for. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13. And then this is just another encouraging verse in case you're discouraged and say, yeah, but I mess up. Yeah, I mess up. What, what if I, can I mess up too much? Can I mess up too much? If we are faithless, you ever felt faithless before? If we are faithless, guess what? He remains faithful. Why? He cannot deny himself. See, my home, heaven, does not depend on me being faithful. It's about, oh, this is good. It's about God being faithful. Heaven is not about me being faithful. It's about God being faithful. He cannot deny himself. You know, there's a verse I love in 2 Peter chapter 3 and 8. And just, it's just an encouraging verse when we talk about this journey, this life, waiting for heaven and all of that. Hey, Dwayne, is he really coming back? I mean, it's been a long time. Is he really coming back? Look at, look at uh, 2 Peter 3, 8. Dear friends, 
Don't overlook this one fact. In other words, this is really important. Don't, don't miss this. With the Lord, one day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years like one day. And we kind of remember that, don't we? Well, there's a really... Incur- I'm going to take the second part first, and then we'll do the, the first part. Um, that second part is really good. A thousand years like one day. So for those of you who are saying, is he really coming, Dwayne? After all, it's been 2,000 years. Well, if that verse is true, a thousand years like one day to God, that means he's only been gone a couple of days. He's only been gone a couple of days. He's coming back, but it's only been two days. God often does things in threes. You know, can I throw something out to you? You know, when the Bible says, you know, Jesus was in the tomb three days, it was a piece of day one, all of day two, and a piece of day three. If we apply that to that, you know, he who who will come may come today. There is nothing, there is nothing that has to happen on God's calendar before Jesus comes back. How about that? So, so don't, don't let his, deny, don't, don't let his, his delay uh, be, develop into a denial in you. A thousand years is like one day. But check this out. This is a statement of grace. With the Lord, one day is like a thousand years. I was listening to this lady speak one time, and she was doing some teaching. And here's the great part of this. What if you, what if you get saved when you're 65 and you die when you're 66? And, and you, you know, you're sick, and, you know, you know, and you're, you're 65, and you're filled with all this regret. Why didn't I trust Jesus sooner? You know what's really wonderful? God can take the little time you've got left and multiply it. In fact, he can take a day and make it like a thousand years. So if you're here today, and, and, and perhaps you're, you're 30 or 40 or 50, and your life is filled with regret already, why didn't I do more for Jesus sooner? Or maybe you're like me and getting older, why didn't I do Jesus? Hey, the good news is God can take the time you got left and multiply it. Multiply it. You can do huge amounts of stuff for the kingdom in the time that you've got left. Look at verse number, number 9. Now listen, here's, here's what you need to understand. The Lord does not delay his promise as some understand delay. And some people would say, yeah, he hasn't come back because you fill in the blank. That's not the reason why. The Lord does not, does not delay in his promise as some understand delay, but is patient with you, patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. The reason Jesus hasn't come back yet, there are still people that he wants to save. One might be your grandchild. All your grandkids saved. It may be your husband and your wife. Maybe your mom or your dad. Could be. Could be. But the reason he hasn't come back yet, he's not wanting anybody to perish. It may be a, it may be a forgotten tribe over in Africa. It could be people in this, this community that largely are so staunchly Muslim. Muslim. Okay, and he wants to reach them. It could be them. It could have to do with me and Judy going over there. I don't know. All I know is he's not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. So don't you think for a moment he's forgotten? And don't you dare think for a moment that just because he hasn't come yet, he's not coming? He is. Because you see, Jesus is a promise keeper and not a promise breaker. You know, it's, it's like, you know, I know for, we talk about this often. Um, when we talk about the Heavenly Father, that, for some of you that brings up some really bad memories because you had a bad dad. You know, and you, and you kind of want to say, well, if, if my dad was bad, 
how do I know God's not a bad dad too? Okay, we want to associate that. We associate earthly with the Heavenly Father, and we must not do that, okay? And so, you know, just because, you know, we talk about, you know, you know the pastor said he would come, the deacon said they would come, and they didn't come, they delayed, okay? Don't throw God in that bucket um, because he doesn't, doesn't belong there. He doesn't belong there, okay? So here's what it means, our teaching point. The, fullness, the faithfulness of God means, the faithfulness of God means, and, you know, he, he's coming, and the faithfulness of God means that he is unchanging in his nature. He'll never violate his nature. Never. He cannot deny himself. True to his word, if he said it, he'll do it. If he said it, he'll do it, and we'll keep his promises. He is a promise keeper, not a promise breaker. And then the last little tidbit of verse number 10. Here's the promise. Speaking to the children of Israel... But true, the principle for us today, I will bring you home. Now look at me. If you're a Jesus person today, Jesus is coming and he's going to take you home. You can take it to the bank. I don't know when. I don't know when my own personal appointment with Jesus is, nor do I know his second coming appointment. I just know this. He's coming. The Bible says so, and I believe the word. You believe the word of God? then don't let culture change your mind. Don't let culture. Don't let some Christians say, well, I don't even believe in the second coming. Well, they don't believe the Bible. Pray for them. Pray for them, okay? I will come and bring you home again. Listen, just let me read this to you. This is second, or first, excuse me, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 18. For the Lord himself, Jesus, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the archangel's voice and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ are going to rise first. Then we who are still alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be the Lord. And then he says this in verse 18, encourage one another with these words. Now, pastor, do you really believe that? More than you know. My, my God has never lied to me. His word is true, and he said he's coming back. And I believe that he is. I believe that he is. So until then, until then, let's touch verse 11, one of our favorites. This is what God said to Nathan Israel, and I think the principle applies to us. For I know the plans I have for you. God would say to you today, hey, I know the plans I have for you. And, and they are plans for good. God has plans for you. But Dwayne, it doesn't look good. I know sometimes it doesn't. Dwayne, it doesn't feel good. I know sometimes it doesn't. But God sees bigger than we see. Okay? They are plans for good and not for disaster. Not for disaster. Um, even what seems like a disaster, God can bring good out. Remember Romans 8, 8, 28? All things work together for the good of those who love God who are called according to his purpose. He doesn't mean everything is good, that he can bring good from even the most difficult situation. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. The future is heaven, and the hope is the Lord Jesus Christ, the blessed, blessed hope. So I pray today, first off, if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ, man, it'll be my privilege to stand down front and invite you to come. The altar is going to be open. If you'd like to know how you can know, how you can know, how you can know that heaven's going to be your home. 
Okay, I can share that with you, and I've got some others who would be glad to share with you also. And if you're here today and you are a Jesus follower, listen, just remember, you're living in an RV. You're at a campground. This world is not your home. Heaven is your home. And one day, he's coming. He'll either come by you in the sky or come to get you at what we call death. But you are going home, and it is a wonderful Let's bow our heads. Hey, Father, thank you so very much for the privilege of sharing and teaching your word today. Thank you for the hope of home. Jesus, thank you that all hinges and hooks on you. Thank you for that. Father, there's a friend here today who either on Facebook or perhaps even on the radio um, has never made that commitment decision to follow you. May today be that day. And for all of us who have, Father, help us not become too enamored with this world. Because it's just our RV. You've got something far more uh, wonderful for us in a place called heaven. Home is coming, and we can't wait for that home coming. And Jesus, I pray it in your precious name. Amen.